0: Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game and is trying to get the attention of any famous actors who fancy investing heavily in a football podcast. No luck so far, unfortunately, although Lawrence Fox has offered us 30 quid and a box full of unused Make America Great Again baseball caps. I'm Kevin Day and he is
1: Liverpool University's Kieran McGuire. How are you, Kieran? I'm okay. I'm I'm, uh, glad to have uh, made it here on time because I took the dog out this morning and uh, there was a pheasant in the woods. Oh, my goodness. So he spent spent the next hour uh, desperately trying to catch the bloody thing uh, and failing. But uh, at one stage, I was worried about whether I'd get back here in time or not. That's a little
0: insight into the world of Man of the People, Kieran Maguire. You're a long way from the elephant in the castle, aren't you? (laughs) I'm sorry I'm late, darling. The dog spotted a pheasant. What, I mean, what can you do? Um, I presume it's on the menu for this evening now. Is it the pheasant?
1: Uh, yeah, the baroness is busy plucking. <laughs>
0: uh, you're lucky I'm still talking to you, Kieran, actually, because we had a Zoom chat. Now, this was obviously pre-pheasant. So we had a Zoom chat this morning with producer Guy, which he thought it would be funny to wear a Brighton shirt. So uh, yeah, I'm amazed we're still talking. But at least we know what producer Guy wants for Christmas. That was the one thing we got out of that meeting. <laughs> Um, And speaking of Christmas, uh, believe it or not, but there are some football clubs who are actually on Santa's nice list, and that takes a lot of doing. But they're also on Kieran's nice list, which takes even more doing. And one of them is Lincoln City, and we'll be talking to their chief executive, Liam Scully, later on in the show. But of course, it's Newsday on the pod, Kieran, and for once, not all of it is disastrous. Um, Derby fans, for example, you can stand down. You're not in it this week. Firstly, Kieran, the government hosted a virtual summit on the financial future of English football. What came out of it?
1: Yes, well, this was held by, uh, effectively, chaired by Oliver Dowden, who apparently, according to my sources, um, managed to switch everybody off, uh, <laughs> and, and therefore, therefore, the, the meeting got abandoned early. I, I don't think, I don't think he's Mister Technology. I, feel uh, I think even You might be able to teach him a lesson <laughs> or two when it comes to tech. Uh, but uh, there were representatives from the the Premier League, from the EFL, from the Football Supporters Association, the FA. Um, and in and in the main, uh, I, th- I think it was a, a progressive meeting which is which is good to report.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I think sort of the key takeaways is that he is now talking about a return to football before crowds but this is likely to be based on sort of local decisions being made right. um, and which tier you're in now you know fr- from i think from anybody's point of view initially you you've got to want that to take place mm. but you you can then start to see uh, some clubs saying well hold on we're in tier 3 we're yeah. hosting a home game yeah. we can't have anybody Uh, watching it but you've got somebody who's in tier one who's got a few thousand fans and we know that fans make a slight difference so is that going to mean that uh, that's going to impact upon results on the pitch Um, but I'm hoping people will see uh, the much broader picture in relation to this and anything which gets fans into matches, is good for fans, he's good for players mm. and he's good for the coffers of the club.
0: It's, it's also likely to cause some financial resentment as well because we've already spoken to Liam Scully and it was fascinating and very interesting. But if, for example, Lincoln City are allowed to have 3,000 fans back in but Hull City, for example, aren't, then Hull City aren't going to be very happy about that because you know, it means that a, a local club can get on a financial even keel before they can presumably, so there, there needs to be a, a, an interest of balance and equity here, doesn't there?
1: There does, but, but uh, if, if we if we go to you know lowest common denominator, and it's either all clubs pay before fans or none I, I, that's simply not going to work because there are yeah. going to be hot spots yeah um you know, realistically yes it's great news that there's been progress made on uh in in terms of the vaccine but there's no way that 50 million people in this country are going to be vaccinated uh by january or february it's going to be it's going to be a slow and laborious process yeah
0: um
1: but if, if we can get some local things taking place then that's one less club to worry about. And perhaps we can then focus the attention. And if there is going to be any government financial support, that can go to the clubs who, who can't uh, can't play before a paying audience. Uh, Oliver Dowden also said that, uh, you know, that there was no way that the taxman is going to petition to wind up clubs during the current climate. So, okay. so that was a positive. Um, he He seems to be very anti-parachute payments, uh yeah parachute payments there's good things and bad things about them, so I'm not quite sure uh you know how he how he's reached that conclusion but uh you know pl- plenty to come out and and in the main uh I, I think it's it's a step forward rather than a step backwards. Well, that's
0: good news. And uh, four minutes and twenty seconds in, we already went for the lowest common denominator here, and it's taken us a lot longer than that on some pods <laughs> to reach that lowdown. Now, as we alluded to in in the introduction, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney's takeover of Wrexham has been approved by the club's fans, and I think you can say very approved because of the two thousand people ed- eligible to vote, one thousand eight hundred nine voted for. 26 against, and there were nine abstentions, which I hope adds up to 2,000. You can seasonally adjust it if not. So the club's fans have approved it. What happens now, Kieran? Um,
1: well, what will happen is that uh, a formal process will have to go through. Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney have set up a, a company in the USA, and, and that will formally acquire uh, Wrexham Football Club as is. Um they are intending to invest around about two million pounds into the club is my understanding and if you compare that to uh, sort of you know, the type of Hollywood investments we've seen in the NBA and the NFL mm. and other in, in American franchises, that works out as as a really cheap investment from their perspective it's certainly uh, generated a huge amount of interest uh, if if I was the uh, Wrexham commercial director, I, I you know Christmas has already come early. Okay. Uh, it's almost as good as getting your book for Christmas available in all bookstores and uh, and Amazon and waterstones, of course um and uh, I think it's it's certainly a step forward. um there's also talk about um a documentary being made. Uh, in terms of the involvement of Reynolds and McElhenney, mm. uh, some sort of Netflix-style program. You know, my understanding that, that Netflix normally pay you know, hundreds of thousands per episode for for a show of this nature. So you know, the, the club could benefit financially from that as well. Um so yeah, everybody in Wrexham uh, at present is absolutely delighted. Uh every one of my female friends who's got any vague interest in football or even no interest in football is asking me, can we get Ryan Reynolds or Rob McElhenney on the show?
0: <laughs> well, we can we can try. Maybe we'd we'll get them on the same week as Steve Dale. That would be a good introduction. <laughs> um as you pointed out, Kieran, and also I'm on about to say that your book would make a lovely Christmas present as well. Also available in many different outlets. The the net there has been a couple of cynical voices sounded by American journalists, in particular, who talk about the Netflix thing. They actually pay between three hundred thousand pounds and eight hundred thousand pounds an hour for documentary content. So it it could make a lot of money, but. I mean, this is a convoluted way of making money out of a documentary, isn't it? Actually acquiring a football club to do so. It doesn't seem to me that this is the reason for doing it, as a couple of US journalists have have indicated.
1: No, um, if, if, you want to make money in football, have nothing to do with a football club. Yeah. yeah there's money yeah. to be made. There's money to be made from broadcasting. Certainly there's money to be made from, uh, some other areas. You know, we've spoken about agents and, and, and other people connected with the game. Uh, but buying a football club with, with the view to then pitching it. Um, I, I think I think is is a fairly tenuous. And looking at the uh, the Wikipedia pages and the Forbes pages in relation to these two gentlemen, they they don't need to make three or four hundred thousand pounds here yeah. and there. Yeah, we've yeah. you, got to be honest. Uh, you know that they they're they're almost at producer guy level of wealth. Yeah. It's, um, speaking of which, <laughs> I was notified today that somebody's updated my
0: Wikipedia page to say always turns left out of the pub when going to Palace Games, which is. It would be nice if he said Kevin Day earnings, but there you go. Um, The £2 million figure, ex-player for Wrexham and director, Barry Horn is also a very nice chap. He reckons £2 million will be enough to buy a way out of that league. It's great to have that optimism, but you need to sort of temper that because it doesn't guarantee anything, does it really? If you're already thinking, right, that's enough to get us out of this league, we're laughing. Um,
1: No, there there are no guarantees in football, but we've seen uh, Salford uh, under Gary Neville and his his, uh, Manchester United colleagues, Um, they they put in around about £2 million, or rather their their co-investor put in all the money, uh, is my understanding, in terms of the loans that went into the club, and they've now established themselves in League Two um once you get to league 2 it, it then gets pretty tough yeah there's plenty of ambitious owners there so if uh, you know if Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney think that they can quickly get to the championship in three or four seasons, uh, that that's not going to be as easy as they thought. Uh, but there's certainly a feel good factor about Wrexham. You know, everybody remembers that their FA Cup victory when yeah. Mickey Thomas scored yeah, yeah. that goal, um, and, I, and I can remember that you know the likes of uh, you know, some of their former players. When when they were sort of a sort of a genuine sort of a, a club which you could have a lot of affection for, having been to the Wrexham Fans United game against Bristol City, uh, I think that was around about two thousand and four to two thousand and five. Uh, they are the most hospitable fans, and you couldn't work, work, want anything but best wishes towards them. Yeah, well, they. Uh, well, I remember Joey Jones playing for them it was the most
0: frightening left-back I've ever seen play football and I've seen Stuart Pearce and Mick Dennis play football so um, now a story that we've been following with some degree of alarm in the past few weeks Kieran is the bitter dispute over the distribution of the National Lottery Rescue Fund for National League clubs and nine of those National League teams have now written an open letter calling on League chairman Brian Barwick to resign. Uh, the two of the clubs are Dulwich Hamlet whose chairman Ben Clasper was so passionate and eloquent on the subject when we spoke to him recently, and Chester FC, whose director Jeff Banks was just as angry and bemused about the situation last week. They want Brian Barwick to resign and an independent panel appointed to review the decisions made about the distribution of this money. Have they got any chance of that happening? Do you think? Um,
1: I, I, I don't think so. Uh, whilst there are nine clubs that have uh, have written uh sort of demanding Brian Barwick's. Uh, dismissal, and, and I've looked on the Dulwich Hamlet website, and it's a very impassioned letter. We've yep. now had a response from the National League, um, and that response is uh pretty fierce as well. Uh, they feel that they've been uh, you know, un- un- unduly criticized, they, they've they put up a very staunch defense, um, that they claim that there was uh, a Zoom meeting arranged for. Uh, for those clubs that were unhappy with the distribution model, um, but nobody attended it. So you know, we, we'd be more than happy to, to have somebody from the National League to, to put across the opposite point of view. We, you know, we do believe in, in full and fair communication. Um, in terms of what is the problem, um, what we have is a cake and what we're fighting over is how the cake is being cut. Yeah. And, uh, what the what the national League have said is that the distribution model um did take into consideration uh attendance and gate receipts uh, in terms of how money was being distributed to individual clubs but it wasn't the only consideration and the clubs that are dissenting are thinking that that should have been the only consideration. Yeah. Um, whereas the national league say, well, hold on, the division in which you're in, and, and other other elements come into consideration as well. So it's 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 now turned into quite an unpleasant uh, uh, arrangement between the, those pro and against. You, know, you, you can you could say if there are nine clubs against the leadership of the national league, does that mean that there's fifty odd clubs who are who are in favour? So um, th- this thing's going to sadly run and run a little bit longer. Um, the the National League paper, which which is actually a, a really good publication, mm. um, they've been very much, I think, on the side of the dissenters, um, and, and they've had again a, a fairly strong uh, sort of response from the board of the National League itself.
0: Yeah, I suspect that some of the clubs who didn't sign Kieran were maybe put off a little bit by the the strength of the of the letter because they they really haven't held back. I mean. This is just one quote, um, and it's all the same quote as well. Serious errors of judgment in making unilateral subjective decisions regarding distribution, which ignore government guidelines and ignore the board's conflicts of interest. I mean, this is not just a lashing out. I mean, this is a specific detailed lashing out, isn't it?
1: Yes. I, th- I think the clubs, sort of the, the nine clubs who have grouped together, and I think that includes the like of Dulwich and, and Hereford and, and Chester and so on. Yeah. Um, they have said that the board or they have implied that the board of the National League, um, which consists of, of a chairman and also elected members from individual clubs, those clubs have acted in, in self-interest. Um and and in respect of the, the distribution model, my understanding is that it probably would have had to have been approved by the by the National Lottery uh, Fund itself, um, and, and therefore the money couldn't have been given out unless that approval was was forthcoming. So therefore, uh, the, the the National League are arguing that it has received effective indirect government approval. Yeah, there is an
0: issue with the national lottery as well in the in the theatre world, which I think I've mentioned before. In that they are uh, some pantos will be happening after Christmas now in London and Nottingham and various other big cities, and the national lottery are funding the seats that can't be sold because of social distancing, but only um, in theatres that are putting on pantos produced by one producer, which is causing issues. I've got one problem here, and if I was a national league club. Worried about the distribution of of this national lottery money. I've met Brian Barwick a few times. He's a nice chap. He's very popular and respected. He, he used to be very high up at, um, in BBC and ITV Sport, but he's a career administrator. He's also chair of the Rugby Football League and Super League Europe and the Rugby League World Cup. He's somebody who who spends his time spread quite thinly. That w- that would worry me a little bit because I'm not, and I'm not suggesting for a moment that this is the case. But it's not his only full-time job, is it, really? And, and if if you're spending 24 hours a day trying to save your club financially, you'd like to think that the person in charge of that was, was also fully focused on just on the National League. And it's not the case, is it? He's a career administrator who will get a job. Even if he is forced to resign, he'll turn up as, as chief executive or chair of another sports commission very soon, won't he?
1: Yes. I mean, I guess you could say that there is a difference in many respects between a, between a chair and a chief executive. The purpose right. of a chairman right. is, is effectively to run the board. Now, the board doesn't, therefore, he doesn't have to be involved on a 24-7 basis. Um, there are presumably full-time executives whose job is to liaise with the clubs. Somebody somewhere came up with the formula for distribution, which which you know does give more money to clubs in the National League than in National League North and South, and he's giving an extra 15% uh, to to certain clubs within those individual divisions. If we take a look at any other distribution models – if we take the EFL now, uh, we've got some clubs such as Sunderland in League One, Ipswich, Portsmouth, who get far bigger crowds than clubs in the Championship. The you know, the likes of Rotherham and Barnsley and and Luton. Yeah. Um. But the way that the EFL distributes money: eighty percent Championship, twelve percent League One, eight percent League Two. And so it's not necessarily attendance, which which. Uh, forms the drivers for distribution in any form of football and and uh, again you know if you think about Bournemouth being in the Premier League for for the last five seasons on, on a ground which had a, a maximum attendance of 11,000 they were still getting far more TV money than Leeds United yeah. and Villa yeah. when they were in the championship although it could be argued that Leeds and Villa were, were bigger draws they were certainly uh, generating far bigger attendances so uh, attendance isn't the only uh, reason why money is distributed. Historically, um, I, I think there could have been faults in terms of communication. Perhaps uh, the National League created an expectation amongst uh, uh, executives of, of clubs such as Dulwich and Chester, and, and that wasn't uh, that wasn't bro- brought communicated well, mm. um, and, and therefore we've ended up with this situation where there are clubs feeling very aggrieved and dissatisfied as is the National League itself, because they're feeling that they've been unfairly picked on. Mm. This is all getting a bit Lord of the Rings
0: now, Kieran, because our next story is about another nine. Um, nine Serie A clubs, including the big boys, Milan, Inter and Juventus, have been found guilty of breaching the rules around ticket sales.
1: Yes, uh, this, is, this is a case brought by uh, Italy's antitrust authority, which, which I presume... Was originally created for other uh, businesses in Italy, which yeah, uh, which yeah. had certain activities taking yeah. place. Um, and uh, as as I like both horses and heads, um, I'm not going to say anything more than that. Um, and this was a case that was was brought on behalf of fans by a consumer group. Um, because what appeared to happen that, uh, the likes of Juventus Inter and Milan, uh, were finding reasons to avoid giving refunds for season tickets. Um, and, and according to the Antitrust Trust Authority, this ignored consumer rights and, um, the, 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 the small print of the season tickets, uh, contained, and I quote, vexatious clauses. Nice. Um, which, uh, which, which does sound very intriguing. Um, the, the consumer group is is pleased that the, the ruling has been made in favour of fans. And now, in theory, anybody that wants a refund can apply for one. How long that's going to take place, we're not certain. Uh, as somebody that had uh, tickets to go and see uh, Euro 2020 matches in Dublin mm-hmm. last summer, and booked flights with Ryanair, I'm still waiting. So, you know, it could be a long time in football as well. Um, And again, the consumer group, which is sort of a combination of which and the the CAB, uh, Consumers Advisory Board here in in the UK, uh, it had hoped that the clubs would have been subject to significant fines to send out a signal that trying to do the dirty on fans wasn't acceptable. So nine no fines were given. Uh, but, it, but for those fans who are here in the UK and are looking for for refunds in terms of season tickets, um, consumer law is very, very clear. Mm. The club has failed to deliver their side of the contract. You are entitled to a refund. Mm.
0: I believe Vexatious Clauses was one of John Peel's favourite bands at one stage, wasn't it? Um- I've, it's, it's really, it's an interesting story. One of the things I love about Italian football is that you have to go to betting shops to buy tickets for games. But it's, it's a strange one as I'm sure Milan, Inter, and Juventus are slightly shamefaced about being found guilty of breaching these rules. But without any financial punishment, it's, it's a, almost a pointless decision, isn't it? In a way.
1: Yes, because the worst that happens is that the money that they should have given back is now that they're now going to give back, albeit a good few months later than they originally should have done so. Mm. So there's, there's no real downside from their perspective. Okay, just a
0: couple more stories before we get to that interview with Liam Scully of Lincoln City, which is very, very good. And still on the continent, FC St. Pauli in Germany, in Hamburg to be exact, they're ditching the big kit manufacturer, and they're going to produce all of its kits in-house. And for a bit of context, Kieran, you probably need to explain they're quite a different club, aren't they? They call themselves Freiboyter de Liga, for a start, the Pirates of the League.
1: Yes, uh, FC St. Pauli are the, the the hipsters' heaven when it comes to to football uh, in Germany. Uh, they they set themselves up as very much an anti-establishment club, and they are very green. They are very a politicized club, and and they they've managed to to leverage on that by by building up a a fan base of uh, everybody that reads the Guardian on a Saturday morning <laughs> at Starbucks. So uh, on, on the back of that, uh, they they do get uh, you know decent crowds um and uh they want their their kit manufacturing uh to be sustainable uh, and as green as possible so they presently have uh a a deal with Under Armour uh, that's due to expire at the end of this season and um, they're quite a good club from uh, fr- from a manufacturer's point of view to be associated with because they they do probably punch above their weight in in terms of the amount of publicity they they mm. get in, in terms of the number of shirts that they would that, that they sell because they get a lot of tourist fans coming across from uh you know continental the rest of continental Europe here in the UK as well um but they they actually set out a, a tender in in 2018 for for people to to take up the new kit contracts And uh, you know they wanted the the uh, the materials to be used to be fair trade materials. They wanted it to be recyclable as possible, and so on. And unfortunately, none of the major manufacturers were able to to meet the specifications that they've set. Oh, really? So so therefore, they've said, "Well, we'll sod you all. We'll we'll do it ourselves." You know, if if you if if you're not prepared to be a bit more flexible, um, then then we're not prepared to deal with you. And, And the other strange thing. Is that uh, their present uh, sponsors? Who are a company called Kongstar? Um, they've agreed that uh, if fans aren't happy about being sponsored by Kongstar, um, you can replace the name on the front of the shirt with the fan's name. Wow. Uh, which, if anybody has ever been to Hamburg for a weekend, uh, sometimes sort of by three o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, not knowing your own name is quite a common. Uh, activity uh, and therefore, it could be of benefit to the local police when they're accompanying you to your hotel or the local station. Yeah, I was
0: trying to get through that whole story without mentioning that it, Hamburg really, but you know, you, you've you picked up on the fact that it was in Hamburg because, of course, you're an intelligent man and I probably said Hamburg, but I knew as soon as Hamburg comes up, I knew which direction this conversation was eventually going to be ended, ending in it's always going oh, to be I've been
1: on cricket tour in Hamburg.
0: Yes, of course you've been on a cricket tour. The, the fact that you played a couple of games of cricket while you were there is is incidental, Kieran, isn't it really? No,
1: no we we didn't play any cricket. We just went on cricket tour uh, and I I I, I, I my, my missus said at the time, why, "Why aren't you taking your kit with with you?" I said, "Oh, it, it's it's team convention. We are, we 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 arrange the kit locally."
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not only that Kieran. It's why why you're not taking your kit with you, but except for the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that should have rung a few alarm bells shouldn't it really that's interesting he's taking his cap in the box what's he up to um you you would you would guess that within 10 years kieran all man of kit manufacturers are going to be offering green and sustainable solutions and speaking of which arsenal have become the first premier league club to sign up to the un sport for climate action framework which makes you suspect that hector bellerin has been in to see the chairman I mean obviously this is very laudable will it cost Arsenal anything signing up
1: to this Um, not particularly I mean the the club has uh, committed to to use its ability to communicate clearly it's got a huge social media reach Mm. Um, it wants to uh, have a positive impact in terms of uh, being more 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 sustainable club um presently forest green rovers i think that will come as no surprise to anybody um and hibernian who who are a bit green to begin with of course um they they have been the two clubs that have signed up to date but for for a premier league club to do this um it, there will be some Cost consequences for Arsenal. Um, you know they they're replacing single use plastics with water dispensers. Um, they they now have the ability. They've got some batteries which uh, are using, I think, recyclable energy to to uh, to, to use on the, on the floodlights. Um, they're using water recycling to 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 uh, maintain the pitch and things of this nature. So all of these things are, are very laudable. And I think if we we are moving towards. A greener environment, and clearly we've seen uh, the government just say that uh, you know petrol and diesel cars are effectively going to be outlawed by by 2030. Um, then by Arsenal, by taking this initiative, are perhaps just trying to keep it to keep ahead of the curve. Yeah,
0: and again, these are the sort of things that you would imagine will be second nature within five. Ten years, you would you would hope, and Arsenal are a club who have had a little bit of uh, criticism on this pod recently. So I think it's only fair that we acknowledge that this is a good thing that they're doing. Um, and our final story, Kieran, is by way of an update to a recent uh, theme. Uh, following criticism for not fully engaging in this particular issue, the PFA has now announced that they are setting up a task force to further examine the issue of brain. Injury in football with Sir Jeff Hurst saying this week that the biggest issue is actually in training. It's a constant heading of balls in training rather than in, in matches. This is, I mean, this is something we've discussed before, And It's not going to cost the PFA very much money, but it's a very important thing.
1: Yes. Uh, you know, the, the tragic death of, of Nobby Styles. Yeah um last week i i think sort of brought this into attention we've had chris sutton talking about his father having dementia yeah, yeah. uh you know and anybody that that's had it's not just the person themselves it's it's the the people around them uh you know the baroness's mother had dementia yeah. uh, and i had to watch uh, my, my the person I love the most sort of come away in tears because when you're, when your own parents don 't recognize you yeah. when your own parents are scared uh, by by anything which is slightly out out of the usual yeah. you 're not able to give them the protection um, th- there has been uh, research done by Glasgow University. Um, and that has indicated that uh, that a professional footballer, footballer is is around about three and a half times more likely to mm. get dementia. And, and we look, you know, we, everybody that has any affection for football in this country remembers or has seen 1966. Well, five five of those players yeah. have had dementia or have dementia yeah. at present, and and that's too many. One is too many. Yeah. Um. So so fair play to Jeff Hurst. You know, he said that. Uh, you know, there's a good case for saying that uh, children should be discouraged from heading the ball. Mm. In fact, you know, there's a case for, for somebody, you know, either FIFA or, you know, the FA saying in youth football, you, no headings allowed until you reach the age of 13 or 14 mm. because your, your brain is still is still developing. Your, your skull is expanding. Your neck muscles aren't, aren't strong enough. Um, if we look at the neurological report in respect of what happened to Jeff Astle, uh you know the the that that report indicated that he had a similar uh sort of sort of brain scan to what you would expect to see in respect of a boxer and, and yeah. you know brain damage in boxing mm. we've seen similar in the NFL has uh, has has become very uh, very much part of uh, sort of the, the, the what's what's being seen in in terms of uh Medical medical research, so I think this is a step forwards. Um, we need to protect players. You know, Nobby Styles died. Uh, you know, in in a care home. Uh, his his family should have been able to see him as much as they can. Clearly, COVID didn't help as well. Uh, so, so these people are, are right to to try to highlight the issue. And you know, we have given the PFA stick in the past. Yep. Um, you know, we we are we heard from from Liam. Uh, In terms of the positives, uh, this is another positive. I think it should be matched by by the Football Association, by the Premier League, by the EFL, because it's your employees. And at some point in time, if these organisations connected to football do nothing, there is going to be a class action against the football authorities Mm. for some form of workplace injury. and, and, And that could run into huge sums of money. Well, as you've just uh, hinted in a kind of reverse spoiler alert, this is quite
0: a good week for the PFA because early on in our interview with uh, Liam Scully, who is the CEO of Lincoln, the PFA also get another pat on the back. So I, I don't, I think for the first time in a year, two positive mentions of the PFA. Now, um, when it comes to Lincoln City, Kerry, and I have to be a big man here because recently I had the hump with Lincoln City because you attended by Zoom a fans board meeting and as you know, Kieran, um, we didn't talk about it in the pod, but I, I did sulk off air. I was sulking because <laughs> I wasn't invited. <laughs> and um, it, it made Ellie laugh a lot because I do sulking is my default setting. I, lo- I love saying things like, well, if you don't know why I'm upset, there's no point continuing the conversation. But it, it turns out I had been invited to the. <laughs> to the fan for me. (laughs) I just forgot to put it in my diary. So um, I'm going to have to be very nice to our guest, who is Liam Scully, the Chief Executive of Lincoln City. And here's what he had to say to us in a very wide-ranging interview. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace, Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, You do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can
1: turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company... Or a freelance football finance lecturer.
0: You can try Notion for free when you go to Notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, Notion.com slash price of football, and start turning ideas into action. That's Notion.com slash price of football.
1: Uh, Liam
0: hello um, first of all i'm so sorry about missing that meeting i uh, i had to take the cat to the all night vet i think it's uh, apparently it was a very good meeting Liam i'm i'm sorry about that. how are you
2: yeah no very well thank you uh, good myself and the rest of the supporters board we, we have forgiven you so don't worry about it
0: thank you i'm sure i'm sure that well I'm, I'm holding out for when all this is over so i can actually go to lincoln and have a proper pint with you. We'll just, Liam, just for a bit of context um, and for our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to Lincoln City.
2: Um, yeah, well, I, I'm, so I, I joined uh, what used to be uh, football in the community as a, as a school leaver, um, in coaching, um, and that was at Doncaster Rovers. I was, I was very fortunate to be given an opportunity there. Um, and basically over 16, 17 years has worked my way through the structure, uh, first of all, through the, the community trust um, and then into the main club. Uh, and then when Lincoln City got promoted into the Football League uh, a number of years ago, um, just through some mutual contact, I was asked to interview for the, the chief executive job and was very proud, very honoured to uh, to be selected. So for the, for the last three and a half years, um, I've, uh, I've been in charge of, of Lincoln City on a day-to-day basis, but pretty I, much I, I... having spent my, my whole working life in football.
0: Am I right in saying, Liam, that right at the very start of your training, that was paid for by the PFA, is that correct?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, I was one of the first few uh, apprentices in the non-playing side, um, aiming to to help those that had kind of dropped out of the game. And so my, my £40 a week for, for two years, uh, subsidised by the PFA, uh, very grateful for that because you know, I was able to continue my education and, and training equally in, in a sport that I loved and, being completely honest with you, Kevin, without being too personal, you know, without that opportunity, you know, I could have been doing anything right now. Yeah. You it's like when you 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 get relieved from football, you, you leave school and as a young man didn't really know what I was what I was gonna do. So yeah, we'll we'll be forever grateful for that opportunity I was given.
0: Oh, that's that's brilliant to hear because the the PFA gets some negative feedback so it's good to hear about some of the good things they do. Liam, I'm I'm gonna struggle not to say since your bank in this interview. So it's it's the the LNER stadium now, isn't it? We have to get that straight. It's the LNER stadium. Is that correct?
2: It is. But uh, our our commercial director, he's got me on a fine pot for every interview I give and, and say <laughs> the wrong name. And I think I'm about fifty or sixty quid in debt to him already. Right, so okay. yeah, you, you are right. But the LNER stadium, indeed.
0: But and the turnstiles of the LNER stadium are probably as close to the centre of of Lincoln as any club is close to the centre of their city. So before, before we talk about your club in the city, tell us about the city itself and the impact of the recent pandemic, because that beautiful cathedral brings hundreds of thousands of visitors a year, and the impact of losing them for the city must have been enormous.
2: Yeah, that, I, I, absolutely. And, and I think the first and foremost, Lincoln City is, is around a 100,000 people. Um, it's a beautiful city, as, as you rightly said. You know, the, the people are really warm and welcoming. Um, but we're also quite a rural county. So the whole county and where our fan base comes from, there's actually over 20% of our season ticket holders that have to travel more than an hour and a half mm. to come to our games. Um, you know, you don't drive through Lincoln to anywhere um, other than Skegness so you know, to, to, you, you've know, you got to be coming to, to Lincoln for a, for a purpose um, and, and our match days um, where we've had attendances that have risen from 3,000 to, to over 9,000 in the last few years have obviously had a huge economic impact um, on, on the city of Lincoln and what we've also been working very hard with the you know, last few years is, is understanding the behaviour of our fans and how we can add value to, to the wider city and the wider economy of, of Lincoln the city as well as Lincoln
0: City Football Club. Well, that's what I was really impressed to um, to read on your website because you were able to quantify recently exactly what no football means to the economy. Because you reckon the home match, as you say, it brings about two thousand extra people into the city, and one example you gave is that local chip shops see a three hundred percent rise in match day trade. So it's important that people know the impact of their not being fans at football is having on your community, isn't it?
2: Yeah, so right on our doorstep, as you said, Kevin, there there are a number of local businesses. So there are some of the bigger games that you'd see, but equally there are small, kind of sole, you know, sole, sole traders or smaller businesses. Um, and, and what our day does, and being a town centre football club, you know, what we don't have around us is a big retail park or, or local space. So you know, fans literally have to come through the Terry streets um, and off the high street in order to get to the football club. So uh, you know, along the way, what we do. It's the big chains that are obviously huge employers in Lincoln and that apply in uh, great staff. Um, like I said, the local cafes and, and our days, be that Tuesday night or, or Saturdays, there's a proven spike of between 60 and 300% in terms of turnover and footfall in, in those areas. And what we wanted to do is we, we wanted to work with the University of Lincoln, a, a top 25 university, um, along with the Coventry University, to kind of quantify understand mm. that because it's, it's all right us as a football club saying, well, we have this impact on Lincoln, the wider economy. But then what we want to understand how we can better that for all our partners. So the, the study started around two and a half years ago. And and what we're ultimately now in the phase of doing, albeit in the middle of a is, is working with our partners um, to understand how we can improve days ultimately help help their businesses. Mm. Kieran,
0: we talk a lot about the impact that clubs have in the community, but actually being able to put a figure on it is really important, isn't it?
1: Uh, yes, because uh, you, you know, as as Liam said. Uh, if you can put a number on things then then you can go into meetings with the local MP with the local council and and explain to them that it is making a positive contribution um, and to try to get them on board or in, in terms of issues such as such as a return to football before before an audience it, it's not just impacting uh, upon the club uh, it, it clubs finances uh, it, it does have an impact upon all of the local supply chain um all of the local logistics issues as well so it, it's it's absolutely uh, in uh, essential that we, we can actually put some hard numbers into this because uh you know we know that there has been a conversation between Oliver Dowden and the football authorities recently um but he if, if he is just given anecdotal evidence that's one thing hard numbers uh you know they 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 concentrate the mind mm. and liam in terms of
0: yeah, the fifty million pound bailout that we've been we've been hearing so much about and the slow progress of that, how important is that going to be for the financial well-being of the club in the future?
2: It's absolutely critical, um, Kevin. And I think that League One, League Two, predominantly, and some of the clubs in the Championship, being, being to them, you know, the Wickhams the Rotherham, mm. Ma- match day revenue is ultimately the the lion's share of of the income every year. You know, we get core funding through the solidarity and core funding. But if you were then to just strip match day revenue out of revenue out of that, the you know, football clubs are left with with very little. Uh, you know, ourselves. We, we have our commercial income, but ultimately that is attached to match aid and playing in front of audiences. And outside of that, we've got a small uh, event. We've got a 3D pitch that we've, we've recently received a grant from the Football Foundation to, to upgrade it. But outside of that, that is, our, that is our business. So, you know, to take that away from us, um, you know, it, it has a massive impact. And, and, you know, we're quite happy to share the numbers on, on that. So, you know, if we look at from when first lockdown happened, and assuming that we would play behind closed doors for the rest of this season. Looking at our actuals from last year and our projections this year, quite comfortably that, that's two and three quarter million that wow. we would have, have lost in revenue. Wow. Um, fair, we have managed to make savings. Um we've had been you know, we've been forced to make savings. We we got our pro by forty percent this year. We we sadly, like many other clubs, had to make a series of redundancies. Yeah. Um, you know, there isn't a paperclip clip wasted in the business right now and yeah. all of that has contributed to, to a, a, around a, you know just over a million pounds worth of savings um but we're still significantly out of pocket we business we, we have long term cash flow plans we have three-year projections and you yeah, know we, we've taken a significant hit and, and, and right now the picture is bleak um and that's why a rescue package in the form of grants not loans not further borrowing is absolutely critical
0: We've heard from many chief execs and club owners, Liam, about difficult decisions that have to be made to get a club through this. But you used an expression that I was really impressed with recently. You talked about a hierarchy of importance, that the the definition of success has now changed. It's not about winning points or trophies. It's about making sure the club is still here for those fans who consider the club as their social space, their safe space.
2: Completely, and and we talk, and and I've heard you guys mention it on on the podcast before around the true owners, you know, of of a football club and and, and fans, and and ultimately, you know, as chief suit at the club right now, as the directors, you know, we're we're just the current custodians. You know, Lincoln City Football Club, 120 years. Hopefully, it's here for you know another 120 years beyond it. So, even if we're here running 10, 15 years, it's going to be a small. On, on its history, and, and our job is to to leave it in a better place that we can, you know, than we found it. I think you know the, the scary thing for us right now is the fact that we don't want to be, you know, the, the so Lincoln City Football Club go out of business. You know, we survived the ITV digital um, you know, collapse many years ago through the goodwill. Mm. We've got five over five thousand fans of shareholders in the club. Yeah. Um, you know. The, a part of that, so you know we have an absolute responsibility to them uh, in order to safeguard their football club, and you know, we all want winning football. You know that that's let let be honest, that's why our attendances have gone from three thousand to nine thousand. You know we we've we've had success on the field for the last few years. If you were to, to ask me what does success look like this season, then then surviving and and making sure that the fans have a football club to support in the future, it has to be the top. At the top of that list, and hopefully, we're doing a, a trying to get to that point. Um, you know, you, you don't earn the right to win games on the field um, if you're not there as a football club. So, yeah, n- number one, can we survive it? Uh, you, you talk as a,
0: a club a lot about the mental well being of football fans. So, w- would you say that live streaming of games, for example, is just as important from a fan's well being perspective? As it is from a financial perspective for you because at least it keeps them in some sort of contact with with the club and with other people watching the game at the same time
2: Yeah, completely so that you're right it's some form of contact it's a, it's a workaround it's 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 something that's better than nothing. Um, you know the, the holistic experience of a match day is, you know, getting up, you know, meeting your mates at the bus stop, having a yeah. pint at the local pub, you know, walking up to the ground, the smell of the onions on the burgers and the, the dodgy bottle time that, you know, we get emails about on a Sunday after the game and whatever. But that, that's, that's what football's about uh, and, and that kind of interaction that you have with people. And, you know, we know there are extremes where people it will be, be social contact of the week. That's where we, we've got to be very, very aware. But you know, it's not just the extremes. You know, it's a need football as part of their release. You know, we all work busy, hard working, you know, daily lives. And and the fact that, you know, we're very fortunate to be so well supported, but choose to part with their money with us as part of you know their 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 expenditure, their dead disposable expenditure. I think we we've got a responsibility to them and it and it's not just the ninety minutes on a Saturday, it's build up game, Post game, it, it's everything that it brings, and and for me, you know, having previously worked in the community schemes and knowing the work that goes on, um, I do have some real concerns uh, around the well being of those, um you know, that that aren't able to attend games, and, and we know that from Lincoln City from conversations that we've directly had.
0: You, you've generally made me quite emotional, actually, uh, Liam. I I just. I just I just miss the smell of the onions i mean it's just that small intangible thing just being with your mates and talking nonsense. but talking of fans uh Liam, tell us about the impact of the regular fan board meetings that you have
2: yeah so um a number of years ago, obviously when I when I came to the football club and we were you know we were making quick progress and, and I think one of the things I was very aware of as the new boy coming to the football club is we, we needed to make some- Needed to improve our commerciality as a football club. We needed to change a lot of the old routines and rituals that had been in place. Um, and the new boy in the new suit coming to town, um, changing things that fans have done for a long time, it's, it's never. Uh, you know, it, it's never a popular decision or, or it's never something that should be done without thought. So what we did was we, we constituted a, a fan board, a supporters board. Um, and the idea of the, the supporters board is it, it doesn't represent anyone. It doesn't aim to speak for somebody. But oh, okay. what it aims to do is have a cross group of people. we speak to them and have two-way dialogue. They can inform us of their thoughts and their opinions. So on there, we've got season ticket holders, non-season ticket holders. We've got families. We've got single people. We've got people six pints with their mates on a Saturday. And we've got those that, that want completely something different. Uh, and what we do is we, we it's through structured and, and formal dialogue. It's, it's, you know, we have minutes of meetings. They're published on our website. And ultimately, like myself and, and other members of the executive team, our chairman, our vice chairman, you know, we attend meetings. Discussion and debate quite quite often they educate us um, and tell us where we're, we're going wrong. But, but equally and being quite honest with you, Kevin, a lot of the time it's, it's, it's giving ourselves the opportunity to kind of justify or give reasons for decisions. Mm. Um, and, and what we've actually found is more often than not is when whenever we've made potentially contentious decisions. Um, and I'll give you an example of that. We you know we, we played Chelsea Wednesday um, in a pre-season friendly, and we effectively gave half our stadium. To, to the away travelling support and, and the reason being is the, the economic benefit that I had to the club was significant and of course. I, I gave away season ticket holders seats to an opposition uh, and as you can imagine that, that probably didn't, didn't go down too well but having the opportunity to discuss that with the supporters board explain the financial benefits and the reasons and, and fundamentally it, it helped almost fund a player for that season wow. you know, they were able to understand those decisions um, and then obviously work within their peers and their and their network and, and kind of share the reasons. So I think what you can have is, and, and, you know, football fans, you know, are very passionate, but they're intelligent people. They know what's right and wrong for the football club. And giving them the opportunity to be involved in that, um, you know, we've all got responsibilities and there should be red lines that aren't crossed. I think it just helps better decision-making both ways. <laughs>
0: And it shows, Kieran, as well, that you don't have to be a fan-owned club to get fans involved in running the
1: club, do you? Well, certainly not. I mean, I think what, what Liam and his team are doing is that they're using the fans as sounding boards. And actually, sometimes you can pick up really good ideas from them as well. So, as he says, it, it's a two-way street. If you make a decision, it's been made uh, with, with the best intentions of the club. You can get that across very well. The fans will go and then spread the message because... because as Liam said, we, we're not as stupid as some people make us out to be. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you get enough people listening to the message, they'll pass it on and say, yeah, we, we understand the reasons why uh, it's fully justified. And this is the progress that Lincoln City are going to make. And as Liam said, the most important thing is the club's still there in 12 months' time. And uh, you know the decisions which are being made are clearly uh, based towards trying to to, to ensure that.
0: And Liam, you, you want to improve the matchday experience for your fans with a stadium expansion. Are those plans still able to go ahead?
2: Yeah, so it, it's a two-phase project. Um, we're, we're really pleased to be able to deliver the first phase, which is a, a regenerated uh, artificial grass pitch. So, um, as you rightly mentioned, Town Centre Football Club, but we, we have an artificial grass pitch on our footprint, but it's one of the only um, playing spaces in the central Bank the central bank community there isn't any space to play football other than our stadium so during lockdown we for free use and and the community used it but we, we've been able to get a grant by the football foundation in order to regenerate that and, and, and make it you know a vastly improved facility originally um, we've had hope to be increasing the capacity of the stadium by a by a further uh, three thousand um in order to uh, to kind of cope with this summer, but unfortunately, the pandemic probably has, has beaten us to that. Um, we're still trying, but I think, it, 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 if we're being honest, it, it's probably going to have to be the summer and on. Um, again, that's part of fundraising challenges that we have at the moment. It's going to be a community facility. We're not we're not there to commercialise it, and um, we do want to have kind of community centres in the stand is for kind of the scouts and the beavers and the community to to use. Um, that that's the intention of it. Obviously, the secondary benefit is that, that Lincoln City would have an increased capacity at, at, at the stadium and we can improve fan services. Um, but I think that's hopefully where you know what you can see now is the direction that we kind of take the club is. You know, that there are genuine and I'm sorry, to cliche, but there are win-win. win-win and the football club work closely together you can have that that you know significant benefit and and everybody wins.
0: absolutely you've gone from the national league to fifth in league one in a short space of time has that brought only good challenges or have there been unexpected difficulties in that rapid rise
2: yeah no it it, you know first and foremost we we never take for granted um the the on-field success that we we've had you know, to do, you know, success in the National League days is paying your gas bill at the end of the month.
0: Right, yeah, right.
2: It's kind of hand-to-mouth and, and, and people, you know, in the National League got a huge amount of respect for, for the clubs. And, and, and going from the National League, um, you know, our first season in the FL, we took 27,000 fans to Wembley. Um, we, we had a, a real positive kind of experience. You know, it's just been, you know, we been, been peddling... Beneath the water, our, our feet have going being, being <laughs> quick as we as we try and catch the club up and, and, and keep making sure that you know I'm not the reason why we're holding the club from going back forward or, or on the field. Uh, you know, Michael Appleton uh, came in over, over a year ago now and has just done such a superb job. It's George, we tried to, you know our average age of our squad is is 23. Um, the reason being is player trading has to be part of our model. Yeah, you have cool. to sell, tell, players. But, you know, the other thing that, that is really positive with our football club is that uh, the, the owners put put the money in by way of equity, so it's not loans. Um, it is it, philanthropic. So what we're able to do is just continually reinvest any profit, be that from football sales, into just taking the next step. And ultimately, where we want to get to is self sustainability and salary. This whole reform at this moment in time that would be an ideal position to, to be in because at that point when you do have philanthropic owners like like we have at the football club going to them and asking them to put their hand in the pocket it's a special projects, you know improving farm facilities or maybe even funding that player. it's not a, a must-have in, in order to keep you know in, in order to keep the club running so that that's you know that that's our whole ambition at this moment I-
0: Liam it's, it's been brilliant to speak to you it's yet again it's it's great for lincoln city fans and all genuine football fans to hear another ceo who's not just a faceless suit who's running a business but somebody who shares the passion and enthusiasm and the energy and the commitment of the people who support the club i want to end on a positive note liam because you know the, there's news of the vaccine trickling through There's indications that things are starting to look a bit more optimistic as we talked about earlier in the pod, Kieran has Lincoln City down as one of the good guys in the world of football. Why do you think that is, Liam?
2: Uh, well, I, I think we're truly humbled to, to be uh, to be given that name, Tiger. I, I, if I'm honest, Kevin, I think there's plenty of... I'm, I'm sure... You guys have got a list of uh, of, of wrongings and, and whatever yeah. else. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think sometimes you know, it, it, as I speak, if you can allow me to speak as a football fan here, there's a lot of people with good intentions and good endeavour, and see a lot of business businessmen and women very successful in their own right industries, um, and they come to football and I think they can crack it, and often throw good money after bad, at maybe trying to get promotions and, and whatever, and, and dream turned sour. So you know. I, Fan of, of community football clubs. There are so many well, you know, well run. I know you've had, you've spoken with Brian at Shrewsbury and mm. you know Rochdale, Lancaster, and, and and there are some really, you know, extra really, really well run community clubs. So I suppose I, I'm proud to be here, you know, speaking not just on behalf of Lincoln City, but a lot of other League One and League Two clubs that, that do some phenomenal work in the community. Really, really do care about. The so hopefully, we we can champion and shout loud enough about you know those guys and the good work that, that goes on. Um, while well, you guys can, can force change in the wrong end um, but, but we can continue kind of doing, doing the best we can for our communities uh,
0: Liam it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, thank you for taking time out to do so um, I, I really can't wait to go up and join that board meeting and have a proper pint when all this is over um, and if there's anything we can do to help publicise any of your ventures let us know Liam and in the meantime thank you very much and, and good luck with the rest of this terrible pandemic
2: Thank you, no, thank you very much
0: Again, I said at the end, I think it's really important for fans to hear that CEOs are very far from the sort of sitcom cliche that you'd get of a CEO, somebody at the top of an organisation who has no interest really in how the organisation's run. But I I thought what was interesting from a financial point of view, we talked very specifically about the fact that the, the money that's going into the club is in the form of equity and not in loans. And that clearly makes a big difference, doesn't it?
1: Uh, Yes, because it it gives the club a degree of security that should there be any change in ownership or should there be any change in philosophy, um, a a football club does not have to give shares back to the the owners. Uh, It does not have to pay dividends, whereas with loans, a loan by definition has a repayment date um, and loans... uh, even even if they're initially at naught percent interest, there's normally quite. It's normally clauses in them that interest can be applied at a later date. So so that was that was a real positive, positive. Uh, and yeah, I, I was so impressed by by Liam. Uh, historically, I've always had an issue with clubs that play in in red and white stripes <laughs> because. Um, I'm I'm colourblind. My, my university debut at football, we were in green and white stripes. Uh, the opposition were in red and white stripes. It's fair to say that my performance was utterly shite because I didn't know who to pass to and I was never picked again. I, I can't keep up with who you've got an issue with in football anymore, Kieran, to be honest.
0: And that's ironic considering I've just written a book about having issues in football. Um, I, I was also... What impressed me very much with Liam is that his understanding of the fact that football fans are missing football and it's affecting their 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 mental well-being because there are a lot of people outside football who won't understand that that not actually being able to go and see your football team every second week not having that that focus not having that that thing in your life leads a massive a massive follow and it's not just affecting the the community economically which it is doing very badly but it is affecting the the mental well-being of a lot of people young and old whose life for for better or worse revolves around Lincoln City there are people listening to this who say well your life shouldn't revolve around a football club but in a way it does for us it does for all sorts of people you your, your your sort of internal body clock outside the summer Instinctively knows where you should be in any sort of cycle, you know. You you know when to start getting nervous. You know when to start talking to your mates about what time you're going to be in the pub. Half eleven's always the same time. Why we talk about it, I don't know, but it's it's always there as part of your life, and it's good to hear a CEO
1: acknowledge and understand that. Important. Yes, and he, and he 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 certainly Liam clearly understands what it is to be a football fan, yeah. and, and I do think that that some owners uh don't get it you know they, they know that the fans are loyal and passionate and so on and from from those owners perspectives it's just a means of well you know th- these people are to be monetized these mm. you know, they just see them as as walking pots of money on the hoof uh to be milked as much as possible but but liam's liam and the, the rest of the the uh, lincoln city board i think they demand deserve full credit for the way that they engage with fans um they by taking that approach that's the reason why attendances at the club have have rapidly increased because there is a sense of inclusiveness there's a sense mm-hmm. of belonging at the club um and that will pay dividends in future years because they've had a fantastic season they're in the second round of the FA Cup uh, they're fifth presently in in uh, in league 1 they've made all of that progress from the national league you do reach a, a point where things start to plateau and um, but the fans will have had the goodwill from the way that they've been treated uh with with honesty uh with with respect with with you know a, a sense of of their feeling and and yeah i, I understand pe- people that don't get football they they won't understand you know we we've had this discussion in the past when i think of the the 10 best moments of my life six of them probably involved football two of them involved the birth of my kids well was getting married and then the night the russian girlfriend brought her sister around yeah you know, and and that was my 10 but and football does take that that senior position because it gives you that sense of of purpose and, and also it it sets your body clock when when the mm-hmm. fixtures come out in june you you then set, set set the rest of your your year ahead of you you know where you're going to be what we've got at present, I don't know who we're playing this weekend. Yeah, that's that's how distorted my life has become, and and there is a sense of genuine loss. Uh, I, I think experienced by all fans at present. This is this is going to be a terrible indictment
0: of the way males fail to communicate properly. But you've got kids. Well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we've been doing this for more than a year, and it's just I never, I never knew. I've got one as well. Have I ever told you that? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, rather childishly i'm just trying to keep kieran talking now because he foolishly told me that turkish tv were hanging on for him to finish oh, <laughs> so anyway i'm just i'm trying to find some more questions to talk about but no go on you go you go and talk to your friends at turkish tv i don't i don't know why you don't just marry them i'm gonna i'm gonna sulk about it. i'm gonna go in and I'll say to her, ali will say is it all right i say no he, preferred Turkish TV to talking to me. Um, we'll be back on, uh, my two grown-up men, we'll be back on Monday to talk about important issues in football. Uh, it's our questions uh, issue on Monday. And if you have any questions on anything we've spoken about today or any aspect of uh, football and finance in any part of the world, at any level, it's questions at com. And as Kieran needs to go and talk to his new best friends, I will say stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: I saw the photo ball.